Welcome to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. To get free mentoring services, as well as to see the wide variety of resources available for small businesses, visit our website at www.score.org or call 1-800-634-0245. And now, here's your host, Dennis Zink. Episode number seven, boomerswork.us. Fred Dunnier joins me in our studio today as co-host, SCORE mentor, and our audio engineer. Good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon. Our guests today are Tim Heron and Rick Emberley with boomerswork.us and boomerswork.ca in Canada. Timothy Heron has a strong career track record in management, sales, and building successful technology startups that have been acquired by global telecommunications companies. His 15 years in telecoms involve setting up regional offices, building sales teams, and delivery of complex software solutions across North America, Europe, Africa, and Asia. His latest software venture was with JNetX, where he led sales for Europe and Asia. Fostering OEM relationships with Ericsson, Nokia, Siemens, and others, JNetX was purchased by Amdocs for $50 million in October 2009. Timothy recently changed his focus from software to recruiting, and in 2012, he launched a permanent staffing operation as part of the Global Recruiters Network in Sarasota, Florida. He focused on telecommunications, IT, and healthcare sectors. Timothy holds a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from Baylor University, and he completed his Master of Arts in Economics at the University of Texas at Austin. Rick Amberley has been a leading marketing communications and research expert for over 25 years. He is senior counsel at the M5 Group, where his principal responsibility lies in corporate, business, and new service development with the MQO Research Division. Rick currently sits on the board of NASCAD University is chairman of the board of the Discovery Center and is a director of the Halifax Partnership and the Halifax YMCA. Serving on the board of directors of the Advertising Standards Council of Canada, he is a member of the World President's Organization, International Association of Business Communicators, and the Professional Market Research Society. He is also a former president of the Halifax Chamber of Commerce. In 2012, Rick founded BoomersWork.ca Canada, along with several investors, and the company is now actively marketing across Atlantic Canada and into Ontario. BoomersWork.ca is an online web service designed to connect recent retirees to term and part-time assignments with organizations in need. Rick holds degrees in economics and political science and has completed graduate work in business administration. Gentlemen, welcome to Been There, Done That. Thank you. Thank you. If you could um, explain the basic concept of your innovative service, Boomer's Work? Yes, happy to do so, Dennis. Uh, well, I guess what we've, uh, what we've done is we've built a, uh, a web or a technology platform that's designed to reach out to Boomers. Uh, exponentially, there's an ever-increasing number of them in, in the market, obviously, and that age wave is moving through the society and through, moving through the economy rather rapidly. And we've uh, uh, really created a matchmaking service that will connect those boomers, because they, many of them wish to continue to work, uh, with employers 
employers, frankly, in just about any area. They can be private businesses, private corporations, can be public sector organizations, can be not-for-profits, and so on. And we've chosen specifically to focus our efforts in with uh, on what we call senior, excuse me, senior uh, boomers, so, and they are essentially people who have 15 or more years' experience holding senior management, executive roles, and so on, in in their uh, particularly in the back ends of their careers. What makes this service so timely? I mean, why would boomers sign up, and why would employers want these kinds of employees? Well, we think, uh, frankly, that the convergence is a rather interesting one. At the same time that you have this rapidly increasing cohort of boomers uh, leaving the so-called traditional uh, workforce, coming to the back end of their sort of regular careers, uh, we're also hearing an awful lot these days about the talent deficit which is widespread across almost every industry sector that you can think of. Some of that is, in fact, created by the exiting boomers because they held on to those positions, those senior management jobs, for 10, 15 years and even longer. And, of course, when they exit the organizations, they leave these talent gaps that are not necessarily easily and quickly replaced. And uh, so we think we've uh, arrived at a point here right now where that convergence of large number of boomers, lots of expertise, don't necessarily want to stop working, but don't want to be working in the traditional mode. They don't want the nine to five. And from lots of them, of course, it was a heck of a lot more than nine to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the 60 hour a week people, not the 40 hour a week people typically. And, uh, as I say, the organizations have increasing requirements to find people to fill some really, really important skills. Uh, uh, and I, I think the other element in this, uh, actually, at the end of the day, is that the economy is such, and has been now for a while and will be with us for a while, that uh, organizations are frankly looking for economic ways to, re, uh, to control costs and bringing in senior skilled people on term-type assignments as opposed to full-time uh, employment is a wonderful tool that can be uh, used by them to maintain and manage those costs. Right. Just to reiterate that from the employer's side, quite frankly, a lot of them are, are scared to, to hire people um, for a full-time employment scenario uh, when there's a general unpredictability in the economy with costs rising overhead costs, healthcare costs associated with all these things. So it's a it's a wasted opportunity not to leverage this talent pool in a more innovative way. We see uh, a lot of our score mentors in a similar position where they want to get back to doing something, and invariably, or fortunately for us, they do come to score, and they become mentors for, uh, for clients. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of job boards and, and recruiting services on the Internet. What distinguishes Boomer's work, U.S., .us, from the pack? Yeah, what, what Boomer's work really seeks to do is to to find the right combination of, of software automation and exceptional customer service, where if you look at the entire spectrum of, of staffing and recruiting on one side, you would have the traditional recruiting business, which is very resource intensive, takes a lot of time, and if it's done right, you can you can achieve a high degree of quality. On the other end of that, you've got job boards where you get a mass amount of quantity, but you're going to have to sift through a lot of stuff to find any anything you're looking for, really. Um, so Boomer's work sits somewhere in the middle on that line and and combines this uh, uh, an extremely 
uh, complex algorithm which allows customer uh, which allows uh, the boomers to register a profile um, in the system and allows employers to register their requirements for the job and it, there's a lot of automation in the matching process when we combine that with actual experts from the boomers work team um, that help moderate the system and, and offer the right solution for the customer at a, at a very expedited uh, rate just a follow-up uh, how long does it take to register um, it should be a matter of minutes, uh, quite frankly. Yeah, I'd be very, very surprised if, uh, you know, uh, it would take you much more than five minutes to actually register in the system as a boomer. Uh, and uh, what will typically happen then is that we would we go through a sort of a verification process, which we can probably discuss a little later in the conversation. But essentially, it's uh, not that much longer actually for an organization to register in there either. Uh, you can get into the system, be through the registration process, and out in yeah, four to five minutes. Wow, that's that's fast. What types of positions seem to attract the most attention um, or are employers most interested in filling? Well, that's actually a little bit of a tough one because uh, it seems to vary so much across geography. Uh, it It has a lot to do with the kinds of... Uh, industries and businesses in particular that tend to aggregate in certain areas. So uh, to give you one example, uh, there's a very, very robust energy sector, offshore oil and gas sector on the east coast of Canada. And so we've had uh, a lot of demand from that sector for, uh, you know, for skilled people with senior kinds of experience, project management kinds of experience and so on in that sector. Uh, I would expect that, uh, you know, um, and Tim and I have actually chatted about this. That, the, for instance, the healthcare sector here in uh, you know in the Florida area uh, is big business in a whole host and variety of ways. And so, what what we discover is that we tend to track the way industry itself is moving across sectors and across geography. Uh, in terms of professional designations, I would think that the ones that we've noted in the early going. That, uh, that seem to have the greatest demand would be finance, people with finance, uh, finance backgrounds who uh, either holding professional designations such as CPA, CA, that type of thing, uh, or uh, you know, master's degrees in, uh, in uh, finance from university and that sort of thing. Human resource demands, very high. And uh, we also find ever-increasing demands in the field of in almost any aspect of engineering. Uh, it might be a good point at which to mention, however, that the not-for-profit sector generally has found this service very, very interesting because of the types of organizations that uh, have limited resources. They can't often get the kinds of senior services that they need. Uh, they don't have them readily available within their organizations. They can't afford full-time people. And uh, we've been quite successful at placing rather senior uh, boomers into those organizations and, uh, and helping them work their way through sort of term project type assignments and so on. And I think the beauty of the, the model is it is ubiquitous to any given industry vertical. So it, the, the model applies where if you have any seasonal requirements or you have budget limitations um, or if you have IT requirements for a project, anything that's related like that, short-term, part-time, um, or less time than, than five days a week, six days a week, than, than the model fits. What would be some of the key benefits to employers from using uh, boomerswork.us? 
Um, I think it's uh, it really boils down to efficiency um, and uh, and drastically reduced costs. I mean, if you can't you can't really argue with it with an exceptional degree of high quality um, at fifty uh, percent or less than the cost of a traditional recruiting uh, process. So the ability to to as we continue to to market uh, the solution in the area with seventy eight million boomers in in the U S alone. Um, just the, the market reach that we're getting on that and, and increasing quality uh, combined with a vetting quality that our process that we're doing ourselves, um, we're going to deliver to our employers and our clients um, mm-hmm. good good matches at a fast pace. Well, yeah, we, I would say that on average right now we're running about 12 days in terms of the recruiting cycle mm-hmm. from the time that an organization actually posts a position available in our system because the system does a lot of the heavy lifting, if you like, you know, in terms of the technology piece of it. <clears throat> we are very, very regularly actually placing people in jobs in less than two weeks. That, that sounds like it's quicker than the industry average. What would the average be? Oh, I would say for senior positions and full-time roles, uh, it would be like 10 or 15% of the, of the time. You know, that, that process runs three, four weeks or so. Well. As a person over 50 myself, I hear from a lot of uh, my peers that employers just simply aren't interested in employees that are more senior. Either they're concerned that they won't stay very long or they're concerned that they don't have the the latest skills. Do you have some particular method of overcoming those objections in order to find uh, opportunities for these folks? Well, I'll, I'll start on that one if I can. Um, the the issue of, uh, I guess if you're saying that there's a certain ageism uh, factor at play in the market, yes, that is true. The, uh, the issue of will they stick with the job and so on is almost uh, irrelevant in our model because we are only placing people into term positions and part-time roles. And frankly, that's one of the reasons, one of the several reasons why we focused on that particular model. Um, as, to, uh, as to the issue about whether or not people hold sufficient skills, uh, yeah, we, we see that at what I would call the particularly the older end of the demographic that we're working with. But, I mean, our demographic does run from roughly 50 into the mid to to late 60s. Uh, And even though we do encounter it a little bit, it hasn't been a major issue for us at this point. And, and it also kind of caters to the, the specific types of roles that we're filling to the, to the earlier question. So managerial roles, people with managerial experience. Um, a lot of the times we get, we get people who might have served in a CEO role before, but they don't necessarily want that kind of responsibility again. So they might want to be a manager or director level or, or even come in for a, a post incubation startup who needs uh, to build and deliver on a business plan, maybe over a six, nine month period, as opposed to a full time employment scenario. How do you handle the geography? Uh, are there limitations to that? If you're in the Sarasota Bradenton area, for example, um, and someone goes online, is this this is dot US? So I guess it's nationwide. Is that correct? It is nationwide, and it's um, the system is is set up so that the registration can be anywhere in the state. So we don't we don't care, and we don't want to limit where the boomers are from. Um, our goal, uh, I can just speak to a little bit of the market rollout um, uh, objectives that we have, is to set this up on a licensed model. Um, and, and have licenses across the U.S., uh, hopefully 40 within the next uh, 12 to 18 months, licenses across the U.S. So we want to encourage, um, and certainly Sarasota is, is a place where people come in. It's seasonal, but uh, we'll be advertising locally, and hopefully people will pick up on it and, and take the word back where, where they come from. Is, is there a likelihood that someone that was 
with, if there was a position in Sarasota, but the person lived in Miami, is that uh, and you, that would would that could that happen? Absolutely. Uh, one of the questions that's posed when a boomer is actually registering in the system is both their obviously their current location, but also they're asked to indicate their willingness to to travel for an assignment or to in fact move to an area for a period of time. Uh, <clears throat> I, I guess the the thing I would point point out here is that. What we've really done is, I think, has zeroed in on a trend that actually precedes our technology. I mean, this type of thing has been happening, and we're now using technology to speed the process, to make it faster, more accurate, deeper. Most of this type of thing has been going on within very, very small, confined networks up till now because person A happens to know person B and person C needs somebody. What we've done has built a database and they're building a database so that your network is not now your near friends and business associates. It's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and dozens and dozens of companies. What are some of the key benefits to boomers to register in your system? Uh, uh, I'll start on that one. We interviewed several hundred boomers uh, in building the business case. And uh, they kind of rank ordered the reasons why they would be interested in employment of this nature. Uh, it might not come as a surprise, I'm not sure. But money was fourth on the list. The first thing on the list, I want to stay engaged. I've got a lot of skill, I've got a lot of knowledge, I've got a lot of talent. And just because, in quotes, I'm retired... That stopped on a Friday. That doesn't mean I don't want to be doing anything as of Monday morning. So the desire to have some sort of ongoing engagement and involvement. Uh, the second reason on the list was the fact that um, uh, giving back. Really, really strong sense from this particular group, the so-called senior boomer, we'll call it, that, uh, that they wanted to give back, give back to their communities, give back to their businesses or their profession, uh, and so on. That w- that ranks second. The third reason is always the amusing one, and that is they got kicked out of the house. <laughs> and just in behind that came money. <laughs> but there is the money thing is probably you know. Uh, I mean, it's a practical reality. But the, again, the fact that we tend to be recruiting somewhat more senior boomers, uh, their they, you know their personal wealth and so on is typically in reasonably good shape. But nobody's going to complain about the augment to mm-hmm. the income, especially when you're considering the cost of insurance these days. Now, my assumption would be that these positions probably don't have health insurance as part of them because they're term positions. Not very often, and in fact, that's one of the employer benefits. There are no legacy costs attached to bringing somebody in for a six-month assignment. Well, what are some of the key features that would attract senior boomers to the site? Well, that's our focus. You know, uh, uh, Tim, uh, you yeah, just, point, just pointing back to the you know the earlier question about ageism and the concern there. This is a site for boomers. It's your site, so so go on and register. And, and specifically, the companies that are enrolling uh, there and posting their their jobs here are looking for seasoned, experienced, talented workers. Yeah. And these are not the type of folks who will sort of you know roam around the internet looking for opportunities Mm -hmm. they will not go to the traditional job sites and see what's in there they won't take that time once they register in our site we contact them when they match 
to an opportunity. And that's what I was referring to earlier, that the automation uh, features of the system will, on a, on a daily basis, the system will be looking at profiles vis-a-vis job profiles and seeing what matches up and notifying the boomer, hey, there's an opportunity that, that could fit your profile. Are you interested? Indicate interest. And then there's a match made. So there's no ability even of the of the individual to go through and scour the, the database and look at the job profiles and apply to yeah. anything and everything. So we're that's part of the screening. Yeah. That's part of the screening process. I can see a lot of our score mentors being interested in signing up with you all, Great. even across the country, because... Um, they want to do something. They want to be relevant and sure. stay involved. And yeah. something like this can make a lot of sense. Um, you appear to be focused on boomers who have had more senior positions in their careers. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, yes, uh, there's uh, several reasons. Uh, I think the uh, the principal one is that they represent uh, a really serious and, and growing deficiency, if you like, within the economy. The fact that they're exiting their traditional careers and so on, uh, they are leaving huge. And there's just dozens and thousands probably of papers and research uh, documents of one description and another uh, that have been written about this sort of talent gap, uh, excuse me, talent deficit that they're creating. Uh, that's that's part of the puzzle for us. The second is, uh, I'll take us back to the comment of a few moments ago, and that is, these people, in fact, want to work, but they were the generation that came out of university, went to work, didn't stop for 35 years. Mm-hmm. And they actually don't know how to go about finding meaningful opportunities. And this is a wonderful place to collect, if you like, and, uh, and make sure that your skills are more broadly known and recognized. How do you screen and, and verify the registrants? Who, to ensure quality in the system. Yeah, thanks. And back to the back to the point about the combination of, of automation with the software and, and the personal touch, the human touch, if you will. Um, so the the registration process is, is quick and, and painless. Uh, but every person that, that registers, um, we actually have the opportunity to go in and, and, and look and make sure that, that things are okay with the with the profile. Um, the same thing with the job and the employers that register in the system. So there's there's a process called moderation. Um, to varying degrees based on the employer requirements of how they want things screened uh, that we can employ. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that we we do is actually the verification process is kind of like a two-stage process. The first phase of which is upon registration. The second phase is upon the transmission of your the transmission of your uh, your profile, as we call it, to the employer. There's a sort of a gatekeeping exercise that happens there as well that uh, minimizes. So to give you an example, it wouldn't be unusual if you were to post a position on just about any job site that you would get inundated with hundreds even resumes. That would not happen in our system. You will end up with a very, very small handful of highly qualified individuals who match to the profile of the job description. could be as few as five or six. How do your costs compare to that of other types of recruiting services? And just because there's such a, a low overhead in the model, we're able to, to compete pretty effectively with, with costs of 50% or less than the traditional recruiting business. Um, so that's, uh, again, with a match with the time, 12 days, uh, two weeks on average to find a match. That's that's pretty good. Is, is there any cost at all to the registering boomer? Not, no. No, there's not. No, it's free access, free entry. Can you describe some of the early successes that you've had? 
Yes, uh, well, I'll, I'll try and uh, maybe draw uh, two or three examples for you that kind of uh, re uh, reflect uh, the nature of the business in, in terms of how it's being used by employers. Let me start with a, with a not-for-profit example. Um, we had a not-for-profit organization approaches. They had a $20 million new capital project under the, underway. They were just getting it uh, sort of out of the gate. Um, as you would expect in a not-for-profit organization, not a lot of, uh, of uh, skill lying around to tackle a $20 million project that none of these organizations keep, uh, you know, excess staff around. So even if they had the skill, they probably didn't have the time. So they posted a position, of course, which was essentially a project management position to help them get this uh, particular idea. It was a, a new construction of a new facility that they wanted. They posted the position. Uh, they were looking for an individual with uh, north of 20 years of sort of engineering construction project management type background. I remember quite uh, specifically, because it happened to be a file that I was directly involved with, they posted a, it with us on a Tuesday a week the following Monday later, the individual was up and running. They found an individual in the, or we found an individual, if you prefer, in our system, 25 years construction management uh, style experience, all sorts of background dealing with architects and engineers, and even hit a bit of a home run because he'd been involved in a, uh, in a number of sort of fundraising initiatives through his career as well, which was a kind of a nice fit to a not-for-profit that had to, you know, raise some, uh, some capital uh, during the course of the project. We had a university uh, approaches uh, not too many uh, months ago that had just started a new research institute, and it hadn't evolved in the business case, if you like, for the, uh, for the research institution. It hadn't evolved to the point where they were certain that it was actually going to work and that they could properly and completely fund it, didn't feel that they could go to the market and find a full-time executive director, and posted a position with us for a nine-month assignment. And the individual that we found for them, again, I think it was in, no, I think that was slightly more than a couple of weeks, but nonetheless, uh, the individual went in, helped them refine their business case, get the thing up and running, actually found some early uh, funding sources for them, both from uh, pri private and public, uh, public uh, sector. And um, as I say, the, the individual actually, they just extended the contract. It was originally a nine-month nine deal, and they decided they wanted the individual to stay around for another three or four months as part of a transition to a new full-time executive director. And uh, I think the individual's uh, due to finish up now in March or April, and it was originally intended to end at the end of December. The last quick example I'll give you is more of a private business uh, situation. Um, in this instance, it was a winery, uh, and a mid-size uh, winery. Uh, during harvest season, they probably employ maybe 250 or so people. Their normal employment throughout the year is probably 60 to 70. And they uh, were looking for an HR individual on contract. Uh, this turned out to be a part-time assignment, so it was two or three days a week style assignment, uh, because they had no HR policies and programs in place. They actually wanted somebody to come in and write the book, if you like, on their HR programs. 
but it wasn't sensible for them to uh, position that as a full-time role. It, it just made no sense. And so the intent was the individual would come in, actually develop the programs, and then they would uh, then go to market and hire a, a slightly more junior individual to actually manage the programs. So uh, likewise, I think uh, finding that individual for them took us uh, yeah, about two weeks, maybe a tiny bit more. And uh, I think they're in now to about year, I'm sorry, month two of the relationship. Well, what do you typically find the terms of employment in times of, uh, in months and years? Uh, well, we're at the point right now where we've been operating long enough to start to get a sense uh, of it. I'm sure it'll evolve and change over time. Um, the, the average running time at the moment is, a, is about uh, five maybe as much as six months as a typical sort of contract period. And uh, the part-timers, that's all over the map. Uh, it can be two days a week. It can be four days a week. It can be two days a week for two years, or, you know, that one is a bit harder to track for us. The average value of a contract at the moment is running uh, in and around the $40,000 range, maybe a tad higher than that. Uh, and again, we've seen them as high as seventy dollars and $80,000, and we've seen them as low as twenty. Obviously, that usually is uh, dependent on the, on the length of the contract. Are these uh, positions typically independent contractor positions or employee positions? Well, almost all are... are uh, and, and I think this is the intent here. Uh, we're trying to make a distinction between having an employee part-time or term in your uh, operation as opposed to having somebody there that functions like a consultant might function. So virtually all of the placements that we've been doing to date fall into the employee category. Now, but that's dictated ultimately by the, uh, you know, by the employer, the, the precise nature. But at the moment, they tend to be fall, falling well in excess of 90% of them are falling into employee, into an employee structure within the organization. Tim and Rick, is there anything else that you'd like to go over today? Well, we've covered a lot of territory, uh, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to maybe pick up briefly on the point that Tim was making a, a little earlier about where we're, where we're going to try and take uh, this because, you know, Tim is leading the charge for us uh, here as we try to expand the business uh, into the U.S. market. Uh, the uh, the concept uh, is virtually universal. It can work uh, anywhere, frankly. And most of the so-called developed Western world is all experiencing this phenomena of, you know, the boomer wave moving through the economy and starting to migrate out of the traditional workforce and what are we going to do with all that talent and how are we going to use it and then on the other hand you've got all the boomers running around saying you know I just don't want to be idle I'm not up for golf five days a week you know if I can find a, a way in which I can make a, a sensible contribution and a rewarding contribution and only golf two days a week that's good by me that's what happened to me. I came down here and was playing tennis, and there's only so much tennis you can play. Exactly. There's only so much golf, and I'm a terrible golfer anyway. And I uh, went to score, and, and that's and here I am podcasting. Yeah. Well, that's where the motivation comes from. There's no doubt about it. 
Yeah, and just to, just to add, I just want to encourage you know anybody to from wherever in the in the U.S. to reach out to us. We we decided to to have Sarasota as the launch pad just because of a couple of reasons. One is the is the demographics that we know. I mean, thirty two percent of the population being over fifty in, in the area, plus the economic diversity with with sectors such as healthcare and and technology, startups, and manufacturing. Uh, but again, the, the model is is ubiquitous in terms of the industries that it can apply to in the geography. So. We would uh, we'd love to talk to anybody that's got a big idea, and we're uh, we're excited about doing something big. Well, that's just super, uh, Tim and Rick. Thank you so much for enlightening us today about BoomersWork.us and .ca. For more information, how can our listeners contact you if they want to learn more about what you do? Yeah, you can uh, you can register at uh, www.boomerswork.us. Uh, or you can call us here in Sarasota at the, the offices uh, down on Palm Avenue, downtown, 941-444-5793. That's great. Do you have an email that they can reach you at, too? Yeah, info at boomerswork.us. That's great. If you, our listeners, have a story to tell and would like to be interviewed for a future business podcast of Been There, Done That, please contact me by email, providing your topic of interest and a brief bio. Email to centerofinfluence at gmail.com, spelled C-E-N-T-R-E, that's centerofinfluence at gmail.com. You've been listening to the SCORE Small Business Success Podcast, Been There, Done That. The opinions of the hosts and guests are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of SCORE. If you would like to hear more podcasts, get a free mentor, view a transcript of this podcast, or would like more information about the services we provide, you can call SCORE at 800-634-0245 or visit our website at www.score.org. Again, that's 800-634-0245 or visit the website at www.score.org.